I do feel like, and probably uh, more than ever, I've been doing a lot of preaching for our church. Often I travel away a little bit, but I've been on a bit of a roll of preaching the last few months. And I do feel like it's, there's been a number of prophetic messages, messages that are, that are from the Holy Spirit just for us right here and right now. And I feel like I've got another message like that today. The title of today's sermon is Digging Wells. Digging Wells. Uh, and this is not about digging actual wells. It's a metaphor for digging wells. I remember when we first... Uh, took over the church 20 years ago. We celebrated our senior pastors who'd planted this church, the founding pastors, and they were about to move to Vancouver, Canada. And when they were going to Vancouver, Canada, uh, we put this ma- massive big celebration. We thanked them for all they'd done. We gave them this generous offering. And we went down to Mooloola Bar upstairs into a restaurant, and, we were, and all the staff were around. And we were talking about, okay, we're sending you to, to Vancouver, and you're going to be digging wells of supernatural flow of salvation, all these different things and we um, it was so in my mind because I preached the, that year so much about digging wells and I kept, must have kept saying it because at the end the staff are like this is awesome and what, what just explain the digging wells thing to us where are they going to be digging wells in Vancouver and it was just it was like oh okay didn't translate didn't translate so when we talk about digging wells it's a metaphor for supernatural flow in different areas that come up into our lives or into our church. I hope that makes sense. I want to read to you out of Genesis chapter 26. And it's a long passage, but I'm going to read it to to us. It's about Isaac, the son of Abraham. And it says this, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed him. It was a, a famine year in the, in the land that he was. And he planted in a famine and he reaped a hundredfold. He became a very rich man. His wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became, to, became jealous of him. His enemies saw how much God prospered the sowing one and, how much, and they became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Abimelech was a king of one of the cities there in Gerar. He was one of the Philistine kings. And he said, go somewhere else. You've become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away up to the Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug. Or another version said he, re- he redug the wells of his father, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names that Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the Gerar Valley, discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued, and they, or there was contention over it with Isaac's servant, herdsmen. So Isaac named the, the well Esek, which means argument. And then Isaac's men dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it. So he named it Sitna, which means hostility. And abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, which is just a, near, a nearby place. Now, this scripture in Genesis 26, it has a lot of significance for our church. 
I preached out of this scripture for almost a year after we spent 10 years as a church and many of them trying to get our own permanent facility rather than setting up and setting down every Sunday here on the sunny coast. And, and so I knew it was time for us to get our own facility and I just kept preaching this message that God wants us to dig a well in this area and although there's contention over it, we're going to get our own building and we eventually did. We got the green building. And so there was a, it's very deep inside of me on that sense. And then a couple of years ago, Mike Connell came along and he also uh, prophesied over Danielle and I. And he referred to this scripture in his prophecy. And he, he said, I can see that, that there's been, you, you've dug one well and there's been contention and you've done something else and there's been more contention. But God is going to move you to somewhere permanent. And for me, that speaks of uh, particularly of facilities that where we moved to the green building as our first one and then Premier Circuit here. And that we're going to move to our facility on Power Road as a place where God's, we're going to say, hey, we found peace and we've got the, 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 the place for the future of our church and locations to be launched from. Now, wells in biblical time were quite significant. I've enjoyed studying all about wells. Much of the Israel region, uh, some of it's luxurious and fertile and I've driven through the Jordan Valley and there's great crops and as the, the spies that looked at the land, it was flowing with milk and honey. So some of it's just fertile and luxurious and rich and beautiful. But then a lot of the whole of, of, of the land that God gave to his children was actually desert land. Uh, there, was, there was particular deserts that they would spend time in and it was dry and it was arid and the Judean desert and the Negev, which was down the south of Jerusalem. And this is where they are. This is where Abraham, who's taking his sojourn through the land that God promised to him, and he's gone to these places and, and they've begun to dig wells. Because, of course, in a dry climate or a dry area, you need, if you're going to survive and stay there, you need a natural flow of water to build a village or a city nearby. And just as in Australia, most of our major cities are founded on rivers. If you go to uh, along the east coast to our, our major cities, there will be a river that there that it's founded on. That would be uh, the Brisbane River or whether you're in Sydney on the harbour or Melbourne on the Yarra. Uh, th those rivers are both a place of transport and a place of a supply of water. And it was no, deep, no, no different in those times, Israeli times. They would need to build uh, little villages and cities around a fresh supply of water. What they would do to dig a well would they dig down really deep. And they'd go down through rock and through bedrock until they hit a, the water table un, underneath. And then that water table would flow and, and be particularly limestone and water would seep through the limestone and there'd be this well and it would be a continuous flow. Jacob's well, which was in Shechem, the well that Jesus met the Samaritan woman on, uh, was 75 feet deep. Some of the wells would actually have steps carved in on the inside that as, so that you could walk down to pick up water. Others, they would use water, a pail and, and a rope and they'd pull it up as we would imagine a well. So once you dug a well, here's the thing, if you dug a well, it usually meant that the, the, all the land surrounding that well became yours. It gave you title to unoccupied well, uh, to unoccupied land. So to own a well was synonymous in those times of owning the surrounding country. Therefore, if someone was to fill up a well that you dug and you'd claimed that territory and it was yours, if they were to fill up the well, it was an act of war. It was, it was someone saying, you, you can't live here anymore and we're going to fight over this land that you think 
is yours. And so this was what's happening in this story. There's, there's, there's warfare and contention and, and strife going over this particular area of land, but also the wells. It's interesting, the Hebrew word for well is beer. And so if you know a little bit of Aussie history, uh, Beersheba is one of the, one of the places that, was, that, that Abraham ended up and Isaac ended up, and it, it literally means beer well, and Sheba is, a, is seven. So there was seven wells, or the place of the oath, and that, that, was a, that has particular significance for Australia in, in the First World War I. And I kind of, the, the light horsemen charged and took, over, took Beersheba back from the enemy and suddenly 60,000 uh, troops could actually have a water supply. I'm not sure how they got the light horsemen to charge in to the Turks in that particular area, but I'm wondering if someone said, uh, we're going to this place called Beersheba and there's a lot of beer. So if we could just take that, you guys, that we said, I'm not sure if that's what they did or what that's what they were thinking, but that somehow appeals to my sense of what the Aussie soldier would be all about. So Isaac, uh, in this particular time, when he's beginning to fight over these wells and there's contention over these wells, it's literally about uh, his inheritance. Abraham dug the wells. Isaac was the son, and he was coming to claim the land. And so in claiming the land and redigging the wells, he was going back to get the inheritance that his father had rightfully passed on to him, to get that water that was precious. And so my question is, what does that mean for you and I today then? What does digging wells spiritually mean for a Christian uh, wherever you are around the world? What does it mean to dig wells? Well, the first thing that this talks about for us is, is digging wells is about a supernatural supply of something. Jesus sat on the edge of one of these wells in Shechem that Jacob had dug, and he had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And in John 4 verse 13, it says this, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water out of the well will become thirsty again. That's natural thirst. You'll become thirsty again. But he says, but those who drink the, the spiritual water I give will never be thirsty again, for it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus says, naturally, you, you have an inbuilt thirst. You drink water, it quenches that water, and then you go, uh, you'll get thirsty again. You'll have to do it again. But spiritually... There is a spiritual thirst in every one of us. And you might be watching today because you've got a spiritual thirst. Maybe like Joe, you're, you've got some pain or some emptiness or something inside of you that you need some answers for. You need some help and you've tried lots of things, but they've just left you empty and thirsty again. And so you keep searching in possessions or in achievements or in pleasure or, or all sorts of different things and relationships to make you quench the spiritual thirst that all of us are born with. But Jesus said there's only one thing that will quench your spiritual thirst and it's a relationship with him. And once you have that relationship with Jesus... His spirit comes and lives inside of you. And now, instead of looking for this to spiritually fill me and that and this new thing and that new thing, now there's a well of life that bubbles up inside of me. And all I've got to do is just go to that place of worship and prayer and connection with God. And there's this fresh flow of spiritual life that will quench the thirst that we all have. That's the first thing. And as a church, it's our priority 
to spiritually to dig wells so that others can come along and can, uh, the, uh, Isaiah says this, Isaiah 12 verse 3, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And that as a church, that's our number one well that we want to drink so that people can come along and drink from the well of salvation. But I want to talk, to talk to us today about what digging wells might mean for you in your home or in your life or what it, what it might mean for, for me personally. And really, the first thing to understand is when you become a Christian, and when Christ comes inside of your life, what, what happens is we get adopted into the family of God. We become sons and daughters of God. That means, therefore, that when you become a son of God or a daughter of God, you have a rightful inheritance. There are certain things that we receive when you get born again. You, I call it the salvation package. There's just certain things. You get Jesus and you get the right for these things. They come with your inheritance. It's, you don't have to earn them. You don't have to pay for them. They're just a gift that come with your salvation. Things like peace, freedom, purpose, healing, emotional healing, Mental healing, physical healing, provision, super, uh, financial provision, love flows into you. That means that, that as part of your inheritance as a Christian, there's an access to love so that you can have a strong marriage, so that your family life can be strong, so that you can have great friendships. All of these things are made available to you and I. They're in the will of our Heavenly Father, the, the, the New Testament will that God has provided for us. They're all available to us, but they don't just automatically come to us. We've got to go after those things. And so digging wells speaks of going after the things that are our inheritance and, go, and, and chasing after those things, knowing there will be some contention over those things, but we go after them. And once you've dug that well, it's interesting, they then continue, it's like, oh, there's a flow of that in my life. It just, it just keeps flowing and flowing. I don't have to keep fighting for it all the time. I've found the flow of that. That might be about peace. That's just, it bubbles up and it's like, okay, I know how to access peace. You might be a person who struggles with anxiety and all this COVID uh, clampdown has really uh, ramped up fear on the inside. But if you've learned how to dig for peace and have a flow of that in your life, you can just, you can go back to those things that bring peace. The same about purpose. The same in terms of a strong marriage, etc., etc. So I want to talk about three things today. That whatever it is, and I'd love you to think right now, what is it? What do I need to flow supernaturally into my life? Do you need a strong marriage? Do you need your family life to be based, doing really well with a supernatural touch on it? Do you need some godly friendships? Do you need a sense of purpose? Do you need uh, confidence? Do you need a super financial provision flowing into your life? Maybe you need a number of those different things. But I want to tell you the same, that the same principle that will dig the well that accesses that supernatural supply for you. And very simply, they are this. They're simple, but, it, but you've got to work at it. The first one of this is biblical truth. Biblical truth. If you're going to get a well flowing in your life, you've got to understand what the Bible says about it. John chapter 8, 31 to 32 says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. My goodness, we live in a time where there is more access to information than 
ever before. And I mean, let's, let's, be, let's face it, some of the information can be updated by the latest person. We've got an encyclopedia called Wikipedia that the world can update at any particular point. And so it's like, is that true? Or did someone update that? Or where are we? It's, it's quite fascinating. We live, there's so much news and media and opinion and analysis. There's so much news that's passed off as fact, but it's actually opinion. And so the, the first thing is if we're going to get a supernatural supply in our life of God's best, we've got to actually understand what God thinks. We've got to get the Word of God into us. I remember uh, and th- th- for Danielle and I, one of the, the wells that flows in our life is the well of financial provision, supernatural provision. Hasn't always been like that, but it's something that I determined that, okay, when I, when I found the truth out, we can go after this. In fact, I heard Pastor Phil talking about God's desire to prosper and bless us, and it, it messed with me. And so I thought, I just need to find out what the Bible says about this. And so I, I actually went on a search to find truth. Because if I'm going to get a flow in my life, I've got to find truth. So this is what I did. I got an exercise book and at the front, and I, and I got my Bible out and I began to study it. And I wasn't really going to uh, take other people's word for it. I really wanted to see that what the Bible said myself. And so I, as I read through it, I just began to do this. At the front, I wrote down every scripture in the exercise book that, that talked about God wanting to supply for us, God wanting to provide for us, God wanting to be, prosper us, God wanting to bless us, and I wrote it down. And then I said, in the back, I'm going to write down every scripture that tells me that God, does not, that God wants me to be poor, that God wants me to go without, that that's His will for my life. And then in the middle, if it's not one or the other, I'll write the other scriptures down. And as I read those scriptures and I, as I searched for truth, I found overwhelmingly there were so many scriptures that talked about God. He's a provider, that's his nature, that he's a generous father, that he wants to bless me, that he delights in my prosperity. So many scriptures. I could not find one scripture that talked about God wanting me to be poor as his son or as his servant. I couldn't find anything that talked about that being God's delight for my life. But then in the middle, I found numbers where it said God didn't want me to put my trust in wealth, that God wanted to break the power of money over my own life so it didn't control me. So it wasn't that he didn't want me to have any, he just didn't want it to control me. And I wrote these things down, he didn't want me to covet other people. As I searched this truth, it's like I got free. And as I got free, that was a really important part for me to actually go after God's provision for my life and to dig that well. So truth is the important part, is the, is the first step. If you're going to dig a well of supernatural supply, you've got to go after truth. Here's how, here's how you, you do it. You study the Word. You don't just pick out random scriptures. You look for themes through the Bible. You look for context. Uh, you read some g- good books by people who are Bible-based. You listen to preaching. You hang around godly people. Uh, I've de- Danielle and I have determined uh, together that, w- that we'll have a, a, a well of good marriage and family in our lives. And so we've made a point of hanging around people who've got good marriages and good families and asking questions and learning from them. So I'm going after truth. That's how that's going to work in our life. The second thing that we need to do if we're going to dig wells in different areas of our life is we've got to understand that if you want a supernatural well to flow and God's anointing and ability in that area to flow, then there will always be spiritual warfare. 
There'll be spiritual warfare to try and stop you getting saved, the well of salvation. But then once you're saved, there will be warfare over you experiencing everything that Jesus has paid the price for and going after it, whether that be healing, whether whatever that might be. It might be confidence that you need to go after. I talked a little bit earlier this year, we did this whole series about breaking intimidation and realizing that the devil wants to rob you of your confidence. And therefore, there is going to be contention around that. And so we, we've got to work out, okay, I need, to, I need to work out. I don't just need to know the truth. That's the beginning. But I've actually got to realize that there's some spiritual opposition going on. I love it when in Ephesians, uh, Paul in Ephesians 5 and 6, he, he spells out some truth, some practical things about family life. Okay, so he spells out things like this, uh, how, how to have a good marriage, how to treat one another. He talks about how to be a parent, how to look after your children. He talks to children about their relationships with, your, with their parents. He talks all about employers and masters and servants and all sorts of really practical things to do and attitudes to have. And then out of all of that truth that is really practical, he moves into this, this next phase that's spiritual. And he says in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I particularly felt while preparing this message that there's a number of people who in this season, you need to dig a well of supernatural peace. Supernatural peace. You, you, and so that means looking at what does the Bible say about peace? Well, Jesus is the, the Prince of Peace. To study, to, to look up the scriptures about peace, to, to, to learn all about, the, you know, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. It talks about where we fix our focus. And to think on good things. And so these are, these, this is the truth about having peace. And it would be great to do a study about that and get the word into you. But then we have to understand that if I'm going to have a supernatural peace that just flows into my life and into my home, then I'm going to have to fight for it spiritually. It's not just going to automatically happen. There will be demonic spirits that are wanting to rob you of your peace and trying to, trying to upset you and trying to you know, wind you up on certain things. And it's a good thought that if, if you're reading stuff at the moment and, and getting on a bandwagon and, and, just, and it's just working you up and you're getting really riled up about something, even if it might feel like a spiritual uh, good plan, it's a good thing to maybe put it in reverse and back up a moment and go, is this fight the fight I should be fighting or is there some other fight that I need to be fighting? I've got to fight for my peace because peace is the start that God wants us to have. And so it's, it's just a worthwhile exercise. And then there, there will be spirits that will want to rob you and they want you to be offended. Man, we live in a world where offense is one of the, it's like an art form that to be offended over everything. But God doesn't want us to be offended. He wants us to forgive. I want us, I want us as a church where, where there's division, where there's hatred, where there's offense, where people are picking up on all sorts of things. Let us be the ones who, who know how to access supernatural peace and to speak calm and loving and with humility and to love one another. So let's, let's be ones who know how to fight, not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And once you can do that, you, can, you start to discern, hang on, I'm feeling all feisty and not peaceful right now, but 
It's not God. I'm not, I don't have a righteous feistiness. I'm just stirred up and I need to lay that down and I need to just get back to the place of peace and I need to attack the, the spiritual realm, not the natural realm. So that's the, that's the spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare comes as we pray in tongues, as we bind the devil, take authority, as we speak the word of God, we declare it out loud, as we get our praise on. All of those things create a spiritual atmosphere of digging wells. All right. So we've got truth. We've got spiritual warfare. And then I, I love this one. Okay. This one's just, we've got to do the work. We've got to do the work. If you want to have a great marriage, then you've got to put the work in to have a great marriage. You can't just bind the devil and know the truth. You've actually got to implement things. If you want a breakthrough in your finances, maybe you want that first house. It's not just a matter of praying. It's, it's not just a matter of knowing what the Bible says. You've got to hustle. You've got to work. You've got to, you've got to get, your, get your gear on and get moving and make some things happen. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Don't just pray for financial provision and sit back waiting for the check to come in the mail. You've got to work it, baby. You've got you to get moving. You've got to hustle. Maybe if you're looking to, you know, for some of you, this next season is the time you're going to buy your first house. I'm praying for you, believing that that happens. And so for those of you, the hustle is, what does God say? I'm praying for it, but see the mortgage broker. Start to look at houses, write a list, do a budget, work hard at it. Just get moving on it. Maybe if it's healing, it's not just I'm saying, God, heal me, but sometimes we've got to do some practical things. I see the doctor. I start to eat healthy. I get fit. I'm doing natural things. This is what I find, that often we want God to do the supernatural and it's like, over to you, Lord, I prayed about it. But so often the supernatural works like this. I do everything I can natural, and then God adds his super to it, and it becomes supernatural. So I'm, I'm doing whatever I can. For, for Danielle and I, having a, a, a wonderful marriage has been a goal for us for many years, an outstanding marriage. And there's been challenges and difficult seasons as every marriage will, will have conflict and different things. And so doing the work in marriage is not just, it's not just praying and binding the devil. That's really important. It's not just knowing what the scripture says about marriage and having a biblical perspective. But it's also a matter of, and this is what the doing the work for us is, has meant reading books, talking to people, uh, putting things into practice like uh, being kind to one another when you don't feel like it, saying sorry, forgiving one another, and, and putting practical things into being. We, we would read a marriage book or listen to things, you know, mo most years, something new, because we're wanting to have a wellspring of life. If you ignore practically those areas, you'll find that, that it's just so easy for the enemy to come along and to fill up those wells. Here's the thing about digging wells in your life is it's not just an overnight moment. It's a long-term focus. I know many of us this year, a year of supernatural breakthrough, are focused in on building confidence and overcoming intimidation. It's not just a three-week or four-week focus. It's a long-term focus of knowing what God says about you about fighting and contending and about acting and starting to be confident and taking steps of faith. And I want to pray for us together right now that as you're digging wells in your home and as our church, we're digging wells that will be supernatural life for others that God will help us. Father, we're praying right now. 
I invite your Holy Spirit to come. And I'm asking that you would bring each one of us a focus. What is it that you're wanting to do in my life? What well are you wanting me to dig? Lord, for those who need healing, release healing. For those who need peace, let peace be released. For those who need confidence, let it flow. For those who need provision, let provision come. I'm asking in Jesus' name. Lord, you help us. Let marriages be strong. Families be strong. Friendships be strong. You help us to dig those wells, to build those strengths. Right now, you might have been listening for a while and you go, you know, I can, I can relate so much to Joe's story of trying to find peace and trying to find answers for my pain. Maybe you, this is your first day today or you've been watching for a little while, but I'd love to encourage you and invite you right now to do something so powerful, so simple yet so powerful, and it's to invite God into your life. In a moment, I'm going to just simply lead us in a prayer. And this prayer is asking God for forgiveness, for ignoring Him and doing things our own way and turning to Him and putting our faith in Jesus. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross for your sin and for my sin, a horrific death, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be cleansed, so that we could have a new start and a relationship with God. And this morning or tonight or whatever time you're watching this, if you're not sure if you're going to go to heaven, why don't you pray this prayer so that a confidence can come into your heart? If you're once walked with God, but you drifted away from God, and you know you're not right with God right now, I'd love you to come back to Him. He's calling your name. Come back to walk closely with Him. Or if you're not sure, uh, if, you're, if you're just like, oh, am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? I believe that God's real. No, no, no. Believing that God's real is not what makes you right with God. It's accepting the gift of salvation. So would you close your eyes right now? If you're saying, John, today, I know something's missing. There's an emptiness inside of me. I want to pray this prayer and let God come in. I have the joy of watching time and time again lives transformed as people accept Christ in a moment like this. It can seem like, are you sure this is, is this going to make a big difference? This will make everything change if you let God come into your life. So why don't you pray this prayer after me if you're making that decision. Words will come up on the screen. Say this with me today. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me in my place for my sin. I'm sorry for living my own way and ignoring you. I turn to you today and I put my faith in Jesus. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you today that I'm forgiven, cleansed, born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm so glad that you've made that decision, that you've taken that step towards God. It's incredible.